we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Today's episode is about running a lean business model. Make the one non-renewable resource of time as effective as possible. Here's what's coming up. I mean, there's probably a lot of things that shops are already doing that are lean, whether they call it that or not. Most people out there, myself included, we're looking for that lower chaos factor. We'd like to come to work and have things be as smooth as they can be. We already have enough problems. I'm with Ryan. You know, one of the things that happens is people come to our classes, they come and they walk away with a million things that they're going to go do and then nothing happens. You pick one, maybe two, and you fix it. And and start with easy stuff. That you get some wins behind you and some wins for your employees. They're going to get in involved and want to go even further. You've got a shop. You're already started. You're in process. You know, get to work. It's always been work to, to run a business. For a better business, a better life, a better industry. The Institute's Leading Edge. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge. Uh, we're on episode 12. We had you guys vote in the group discussion on, on some topics. Um, kind of wanted to get your guys' feedback uh, on what you wanted us to talk about. Uh, and the lead in that is about lean business. Um, now, that can be running running lean, running efficient, uh, but also I wanted to bring in, in the actual uh, lean business model, which I know Ryan knows a lot about. Um, so on today's panel, we've got uh, Ryan Klo. Uh, he owns Dubworks. Uh, in Cincinnati, and another shop uh, which I can't think of the name of. What well, it's? Uh, I'm not gonna sit here trying to figure it out. Um, Avid. 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 Oh my gosh, Avid. I was like, I know it starts with an A. Uh, and then we've got Cecil Bullard, um, trainer of uh, over a decade, a lot of experience, worked in several successful shops, um, and myself. Um, I'd love to start this off with the question of what exactly is a, a lean business? What is lean? And Ryan, I'd love for you to kick it off. Sure. Good question. I think a real simple definition is uh, creating more value using less resources. And for those of you out there that own shops, I think not to pick on anybody, but you know, there's some really great shops out there that are big shops. Um, you know, a lot of staff, maybe a family-run business, and, you know, they do a great job, have a great reputation, but they're kind of, they're heavy. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of sales required to pay the overhead. Maybe they've got a couple extra staff than they need. Maybe they've been doing things, you know, the way they've done them for a long time. Uh, and I, I've seen shops like this, and, and then I've seen some surprisingly small shops. Uh, it may be a different demographic, but they're, I don't know. They kind of they run real tight, and uh, maybe they have a much smaller footprint. But um, everything's in its place. Everything's really snappy. Um, maybe they, they outsource some things. And I, I mean, I've seen those shops actually outperform. You know, by what method or what by what metric would be, you know, maybe be more profitable, maintain that same level of, you know, customer satisfaction and staff satisfaction. So I mean. Uh, you know, again, I, and, and I, I've got one shop that's a little bit larger and one that's a little bit smaller. So it's interesting to look at that and you can see kind of, um, it's not always what you think it is. Bigger is not always better. So what's the difference between those, between your two shops then? What are, what are some of the things that, that differentiates the two? I mean, definitely the, the number of staff and the square footage of the shop. I mean, everybody knows, um, I think a lot of people out there, I mean, at least a lot of people that are watching the podcast are probably on some growth trajectory. And you're going to get to a point where you think, well, do I want to keep making this shop larger or should I start looking at different locations? And so it's not a one-size-fits-all discussion. Uh, but for me, it's fascinating to see how, I don't know, the bigger shop doesn't necessarily provide any more income <laughs> than a smaller shop. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to provide more customer service. So it's it's a great discussion to have and it's a little more individual based on, on circumstances. Uh, but I've just seen, you know, again, with, with the business grows the overhead as well. All right. Um, dad, what do you, what is lean? What does it mean to run a lean business? I think you're talking about uh, really almost two different things because we, you know, if you, if you study six Sigma, uh, six Sigma is uh, kind of a Japanese method of uh, running a lean business. Uh, for example, uh, in our shop, all of the equipment had a place and it was painted on the floor so everybody knew where everything went 
um, on the wall in every bay, well, every two bays was a broom, um, a, a dustbin, a hand broom, uh, a mop, a mop bucket. Um, and, and those things were color coded to the, to the bay and the wall was color coded to them. So if you saw something laying around, you know, you knew where it went. And, and, and so everybody had the, the tools they needed very close at hand. So if you study Six Sigma, it's really about, you know, uh, if you've watched um, uh, the guy that does the bartending, uh, the coach that does that on, online, uh, John Tapper, they study footprints and how often the bartender has to go from one place to the other, and then they move the equipment around to make that less, uh, saving the bartender thousands of steps a night uh, and actually saving time. So, so one idea is, you know, read Six Sigma, study that for your business, and then lean out your business as much as possible, put things in the right places, make things work in a better way. I think the second thing is almost a cultural thing, and that is, you know, uh, thinking and, and running in a, in a lean manner, meaning that for me, you know, I look at the business and I go to myself, I say to myself, you know, is there something where, you know, about every quarter, you know, is there a place where we can cut? Um, you know, either expenses or has something gotten out of hand or do we need to make a modification in the way we're doing things uh, to make that more efficient? One of the things that we do when we go into shops and we review shops is we kind of look at all their different processes and uh, we also kind of judge uh, one of the questions that I have on my sheet is, are we routinely going through processes and saying to ourselves, you know, what could we do here to make this process more efficient? Um, and we could be doing that on a regular basis throughout our shop. And let me, one more kind of uh, comment. We want shops not run efficiently. And we watch owners, you know, I can't get the work out. So, you know, we have, um, we have lots of work. We have cars coming in, but the work's not getting out of the shop. And we have technicians that are running at, you know, maybe 70 or 80% productivity. And instead of solving the process problem or the problem that's creating the 80% productivity, which can be a person who, can't, who doesn't work well, or it can be a process that doesn't get the result that we want. Um, for instance, a lot of technicians are held up because it takes too long for the service advisor to write the work order and to sell the work and get the ticket back to them. Um, so instead of fixing those problems, Instead, the shop owner hires another employee, which comes with additional expenses and, and actually makes it more difficult because now the service advisor might be running four technicians instead of three. Uh, and, and so the job becomes more complicated even when, when what we should have done probably was solve the problem, uh, the process or the, or the people problem. Yeah. Um, I'd love to give a, a quick shout out to the people who are watching, uh, Levi Johnson, Gary Olson, and, and Lawrence Anderson. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, I kind of wanted to, one, establish what it is so people kind of, of get some kind of understanding. And wh what exactly is the mentality behind the lean method? I know we kind of talked about the definition, but there's, there's a certain mentality because there's, of course, there's Six Sigma, there's the lean method, there's, there's actually other methods out there that, that talk about a lean business model. Uh, Ryan, what's the mentality behind this? Mm -hmm. I think in the context of an automotive service shop, um, efficiency would be a great way to look at it. I mean, there's probably a lot of things that shops are already doing that are lean, whether they call it that or not. I think as far as the mentality, most people out there, myself included, <laughs> We're looking for that lower chaos factor. We'd like to come to work and have things be as smooth as they can be. We already have enough problems with uh, constantly changing technology, comebacks, things like that. So, and a lot of those things are never going to go away. So, you know, in order to, for it to be sustainable for me uh, to not burn me out or for technicians to not get burnt out, uh, we have a responsibility as shop owners to make our shops as efficient and as comfortable as they can be for our staff and for our customers. I, I think to me, it's a long-term sustainability, but you know, as far as a mentality, uh, 
Yeah, I think efficiency is probably an easy word for most people to kind of grab on. I want to find out uh, where those inefficiencies are. I think Cecil made a good point where something's not really efficient and our solution is to hire another staff person. You know, I think um, front of the house staffing is a really great example. I have seen shops with four technicians that are run by two people in the front of the house. I've seen them three, four or five people. There's not like a a really solid formula for how you're going to divide out the duties of what I call front of the house, service advising, answering the phone. Uh, some, some shops certainly do a much, or appear to do a much better job kind of managing all of those tasks. There's a lot to handle on the front of the house. You know, back of the house, it's more, you know, number of technicians, number of cars, uh, situations like that. Yeah. In, 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 in our shop, at least the last one I ran, um, we had two two service advisors, uh, one parts person, and four technicians that did the bulk of the the work. There was a manager, of course. I, I managed that, but we did 2.6 million with in in business annually with those four technicians because they were well supported by the staff. Everything we did was to make the technicians more productive. And there's a there's a real side benefit to to this additional productivity because when you overcome your expenses and you're able to produce more work, um, then there's a lot more profit that can be shared uh, between the employees and and also to take home as as the owner of the business. Uh, so, you know, I, I think many shops they they're not sure how to how to fix this or or what to do about it. Um, but it really is getting all your processes kind of in place and then kind of managing that. As Ryan said, you know, it's, you're never going to have a business that runs completely smoothly all the time. It really is up to whoever's managing the business to take a look at it and go, wait a minute, you know, it's, it's taking too long for estimates to get written and that's slowing my technicians down. So how do we fix that? Yeah. Um, so you kind of started playing into it, uh, which is going to be my next question. Um, what are the benefits of running lean? Well, first, um, I think there's there's two big benefits uh, to running lean. But again, you have to you have to talk about it in a, in a cultural sense, because lean is not just the owner on top of things. It's everyone in the business um, looking at it in that in that sense and going, how could we do this? better, more efficiently. Now, what are the benefits? Benefit number one, there's a heck of a lot more money. So, uh, you know, when my technician produces more than eight hours in a day, if I'm paying him hourly or salary, um, then there's a very substantial financial benefit. Even if I'm not paying him hourly or salary and I'm paying him or her um, a, uh, a flat rate uh, type uh, pay plan, there's a benefit to the business because when we overcome our fixed expenses, so if I have uh, uh, $250,000 a year in fixed expenses, then I want to keep those at 25%. And if I do a million dollars in business, I've paid my fixed expenses and there's a, if we plan it right, there's 20% built in there for my profit, right? When I do a million two on that extra 200,000, I have no fixed expenses to pay. So not only do I get the 20% that I planned, but I get another 25% on every one of those dollars that can drop into my bottom line or, or, or be shared with my employees. And, 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 and that is substantial. Now here's the other problem. If I don't get hundred percent productivity, then all of a sudden I'm paying more for those hours and there's a lot less and Instead of doing a million, I do 800,000. So my 250,000 becomes a higher percentage of my fixed expenses and there's less money uh, of, my, of my sales and there's less money to drop into the bottom line. So number one, there's a huge financial benefit. I think the second thing, and Ryan could probably attest to this, when the business is running well, lean, uh, when the employees are involved and the culture is right, then the owner or the manager doesn't spend as much time working. Uh, uh, it's more about maintenance than it is about come in and, 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 and solve uh, problems and, and put out fires all day long. Uh, so there's, there's two just huge benefits, uh, not to mention there's probably some other savings in, in less waste in the company, um, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think he had his time and money, uh, I uh, money. recently that uh, got into a family business, not automotive, 
Uh, but he said, I got into this business, my father used to run it, and he had eight employees 20 years ago. Um, and now with technology and cloud computing, I have two employees and I'm able to do the same amount of work. So it's, it's an exciting time, you know, to be in small business. There's a lot of resources that just simply weren't available even 10 years ago that allow us to run a lot leaner. Uh, as a business owner, I mean, I've got, you know, two monitors here and I have multiple dashboards for the shop, for the marketing, for the payroll. Bookkeeping is a very minimal task uh, and it doesn't really have to be a headache because all these systems and processes are in place. I think the idea, the concept of process isn't foreign to a lot of people out there, but they don't know how to get from where they are to that. But that idea of everything kind of in its place, everything has a, a document, a form, this is how we do it. The concept is there. Uh, but in terms of time, I mean, you know, those shop owners, uh, I love that column in Ratchet and Wrench, I think Repair Life, they talk about how do these owners spend their day and everybody is so different. And if your shop's, you know, super well-rounded and, you know, you don't have that chaos factor, you're profitable, people are happy, and you want to do some, some, some different type of stuff that's fine, you know, but I occasionally I'll hear an owner say, well, I like to give customers a ride home, you know, because I think it's a way to like really keep in touch. And I like that. But if your shop doesn't have everything in order, I'm sorry, but you don't have time to be doing that. rides. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's about as unlean as you can get, uh, especially these days if you have Uber in your area or something like that. How you spend your time is really, really critical. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, essentially more time. And that time, you know, you can spend that on the growth of the business. You could be spending it giving back to your community, offering more value to your customers, trying to really, like, you know, up the game compared to other shops in your town. But the more lean you are, the more you're not going to be stuck, you know, doing, you know, day-to-day -day tasks in the business that, that will prevent you from having the time to grow your business. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's another huge benefit and I would say more life. And I think that's in, in two ways. First of all, the leading cause of death is stress. Stress leads to heart attacks, stress leads to uh, uh, you know, all kinds of, of, of things. And so the more stressed I am, the faster I'm going to die. I'm burning it up. Uh, you, you know, which when you're 24 years old, not a big deal. I got lots left, but when you're in your fifties, I don't have that much left. I don't want to burn it up. And I think the other thing is, you know, my father who was the shop owner, he was so busy working in his business all the time that he didn't enjoy his family. He didn't come to to concerts. He didn't, he didn't go to things cause he didn't have time. He couldn't. Um, and because he, it wasn't running in, in a lean sense, uh, it wasn't running properly. He had to be involved in everything and, yeah. and, and he missed out on that life. And, and, you know, life, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like I said, when you're 24, it just seems like you have forever. But when you're, you know, when you get in your fifties, it's, it's a little more limited. And, and you kind of wish that, you know, way back then I had learned some of this because if I ran my business leaner, if I ran my business uh, better and it created more time for me, I would have more life. And I think that's really important. I mean, there's, you know, you, you talk about money, which is great, but life is the, life is the thing. I mean, enjoying and living your life as you, as you go is what this is. It's what it should be all about. Yeah. So I'm curious, and I'm sure there's a couple of people out there at this point. Uh, where do we start? You know, how how do we start implementing a, you know, a lean method, or um, how do we get things going, Ryan? I think. Well, we're all, we're all on a journey. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. We're we're all on a journey, and I think you've got to define that journey as much as is possible. I'm not saying you have to have the rest of your life figured out, but at least have goals the next several years, hopefully the next five or 10 years. Look at that and then say, where am I at on that timeline? If you're a service advisor and you're creating a timeline for the customer's vehicle, it's like that. I'm going to create a timeline for this business. Uh, I want this business to, to grow or I want uh, to make a more impact in my community or uh, I would like to have another business or have some security for my staff and myself for the future. But try to define those things. And you got to look at where you're at. There's, there's where you want to be and there's where you're at now. Uh, and where I'm at now, what are the resources that I have? What, what amount of staff do I have? What tasks need to be done? 
uh, and how much time and money is there. And we're all on the journeys. There's always going to be somebody below us and always going to be someone above us. And the people that are farther along have more money. They can have more, uh, more value for their customers and their, you know, there's shops out there that pay 100% of health insurance for their staff and for their family. I mean, that's a, that's a very aggressive, um, you know, value for, for staff. Uh, so it is partly, you know, our job as the owner to kind of, you know, create that timeline say, this is where I'm at and be realistic about it and say, and, and put those things into priority and say, this is what I do have right now. This is what I can do. And how can I get as much for my value? I mean, using the, you know, the, the example I love is customer transportation. We all have to deal with transportation. And when my shop was really, really tiny, we couldn't really do it. So we just had to be scrappy. We had to be hole in the wall. We had to get people who were willing to take care of their own transportation. And we did that, I hate to say, with lower prices and with a hole in the wall feel. But, you know, as we grew, we started to take care of that. Uh, and it took, it takes money. And if you don't have the money, you got to really sit there and think, you know, what's going to get me farthest, uh, you know, with the least amount of money. And, you know, uh, back to the owner giving a ride. I mean, even the cost that it takes to purchase a single maintain and insure and repair uh, a shuttle vehicle, you know, again, I love to use Uber as an example, you know, is that a way that you can get customers home? And, and maybe the Uber driver isn't as charming as you or your staff, but it just takes care of a problem. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of places. I think starting is always great to start with goals. Where do I want to get? Uh, what resources do I have? Um, what measurement is in place? Um, if I can't measure all of the things that I've decided that are important for me to understand about my business, what are my, what's my average repair order? How many cars, my, you know, uh, my marketing, what, what, what even should I be measuring my marketing? How will I know when I have grown? Um, there's goals are out there. There's industry benchmarks that I think are much more accessible now through, you know, uh, online articles. Uh, a lot of the social media groups are easy ways for shop owners to ask each other, Hey, uh, I'm on my journey, you know, this is where I'm at right now. And you'll find someone else that says, yeah, here's where I, here's where I was. And, you know, here are the things that kind of got me uh, to the next level. And it's cool because you're never done. It's, it's a constantly evolving process, especially, you know, this day and age and the information, information revolution, there's always new best practices. So even those shops that are out there that have a reputation for being amazing, uh, they're still looking for ways to innovate, you know, as well. So, Really, everybody already has started. If you've got a shop, you're already started. You're in process. Uh, I think just drawing out a timeline, looking where you are in your process and making goals, uh, and then, you know, get to work. Uh, it's, it's always been work to, to run a business. Uh, I think it's a hard lesson for some of us, especially those who started out as technicians, to learn it's not the work that we thought it was going to be. It's not going to be sitting out there under the hood. It may not even be behind the counter. It's going to be in a place that we're less comfortable, you know, researching. I, I don't always enjoy, you know, learning about all the latest marketing features, but I know that I have to do it. So, yeah. Um, so once you, once you establish where you're at and where you're wanting to go, um, a lot of, a lot of what lean is, is kind of cutting the fat, right? So we're trying to get the best with what we got. Um, I would say where, where can you reduce waste um, cause obviously it's going to be different for most people, but where are some areas that you guys would, would kind of say, maybe take a look at first? I think, I, I think you have to be really careful here because, um, a lot of shop owners who aren't making the money that they want to, uh, or the net profit that they want to are, are going to take this the wrong way. Um, you know, you, I always say you can't 2% yourself to wealth. Um, meaning that I can't cut and cut and cut. And, and, and that's not going to make me wealthy if I keep doing that. It's actually going to make me broke because I don't have the resources and the things I need to take care of uh, my business, my clients. Um, I have to think in a different way. Um, you know, people look at expense, in the, especially in this business. Uh, uh, so let's talk in our example for us. You know, we, we look at um, Facebook and doing podcasts or doing whatever, and we say to ourselves, Man, it's going to cost time and money. You know, time time is limited. We're going to spend an hour. Or there's some prep, you know, but um, you know there is some money involved with boosting and and uh, you know etc. And uh, and then what's the return going to be? So 
So what I'm looking at is not the cost. I'm looking at the return. And if the return is more than the cost, then it's something that I'm likely to do and continue to do. Uh, direct mail might be an example. You know, direct mail is marginal, I think, at best, but it's part of a good marketing plan. You just don't want to be wasting your money on something that's not getting you a return. So paying attention to, you know, and looking at the return is, is, is important, I think. And I want to go backwards just kind of one step. Where do you start? Well, first of all, you start by deciding you're going to. Uh, you know, you draw the line in the sand and you say, I don't want to run this business anymore where I'm not making the money that I want to and I don't have the life that I want to. And then you go get help. Uh, and if it, if it is in our company, it's, it's another company that does that. Or you go online and you watch podcasts or you, or you read books or, you know, whatever. When I started as a service advisor a thousand years ago, um, I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know anything. So I went and found good salespeople and I joined their programs. And, and yeah, it cost me money. But it's literally made me millions of dollars over my lifetime. That knowledge that I gained and I learned and I've been able to apply has made me millions of dollars. Um, so you need to be careful. I mean, I do quarterly look at the expenses. But, but really, in most cases, what am I going to cut? Cut my marketing? Cut my salary? I can't cut the rent. I can't cut the utilities. I could be a little more careful with the lights or whatever. My father was that way. But... You know, I was in a shop in uh, Mountain View, California, a couple of years back. It was about 5.30. It was getting dark outside, and I came in the shop, and all the lights, half the lights were off. I, I thought all the bulbs were out. I thought a bunch of the bulbs were out, and I went to the owner, and I said, hey, you know, man, you got to replace these light bulbs. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, uh, I just leave half the lights off, save some money. That's stupid thinking. I mean, that's just not smart. Um, I've got technicians now working, and, and they're not as productive because they can't even see what they're doing, and it's actually dangerous. Uh, uh, someone could get hurt, and now it's going to cost me again with my workers' comp. Um, what we need to be thinking about is, you know, there are systems and processes. What I tell people is go to the start and say, okay, where's the start? Well, marketing. Marketing's a process. Marketing's a system. And, and then the customer calls. How do you answer the phone? And then when the how do you write up a ticket? And, and what's your thought process around how you look at a car? How do you dispatch? You know, how do you estimate? And, and once you have documented that stuff, and then you can look at it and go, wow, our estimating process is really not efficient. Um, too many hands touch it, or there's too much duplication. We have shops that run two systems kind of they they have to retype everything into the into the computer after someone else has either written it up or typed it up somewhere else and it, and now we we've got inefficiency in our business we should be looking at those things and deciding the kind of life we want to live and then doing what it takes to get to clean that up and fix that yeah uh, i'm i'm kind of curious because i know that Generally, with some of the shops that we work with, a lot of the things that they, that shop owners will do is like they will cut back on their marketing. Um, so instead of having nine percent, they only have one percent going into marketing, or they just cut it completely. Either that, or they take their own paychecks out. Um, but a lot of what I'm talking about cutting waste isn't necessarily financial. It doesn't. I don't think it needs to be. So I, I'm I'm curious, Ryan, where where do you think some shops could be cutting waste? Yeah. I think there is a mentality and I can think of a few people that I know and I think it's just a view of business and it's not uh, just people in the automotive industry. It's just really based on finance. Like you guys have kind of touched on it, but it's the buy low, sell high, or you don't get rich writing checks. There's a mentality out there that basically says, I'm a shrewd business person. And what that means is it's my job to get this thing as low as I can. And when I see some of those business people, they're really beating the heck out of their suppliers. They're probably underpaying their staff. They're just, they're just really like, that's what it means to run a business, right? That's what it means. And it's funny because those people are usually the ones that also don't charge as much because they're just so darn focused on the perception of money. Yeah. Uh, they missed, um, you know, value. And, and, and they probably miss it in their own life. I mean, I make purchasing decisions all the time and I have to look at, 
you know, it's less about the price and what did I get? I hate overpaying some, something, but I also hate not paying just a little bit more because I've wasted all the money that I did on something that was, uh, you know, a little bit inferior. Um, so it's really good to, to kind of stop and take a moment and address, like, is my, is my whole concept of, of, you know, business just based around money. And, and yeah, like Cecil said, cutting expenses is always a tricky. And I'm not saying that you don't need to shop around, you know, on your, on your phone bill and all your expenses. Yes. Quarterly, you know, biannual, however you do it. Yes. You do need to shop around insurance. I hate doing that stuff. It is a part of business ownership, but it's just a part. So that's kind of a roundabout way to get back to your question. How do I cut waste? It's not anything to do with financial. And I'm telling you this, most likely is going to make way more difference than, you know, the little, I mean, you got to do both. I'm not saying that yeah, we're not yeah. going to be checking that, but I really want shop owners out there to understand there's this whole other like waste. I mean, like if you can imagine taking money and just throwing it down the drain, I mean, imagine if you overpay for a part, at least that money went into our economy. It went to the vendor, you know, but literally taking money and just throwing it down the drain. I think people understand that it's gone. It's, it's, it's never to be retrieved or used by me or anybody else. Um, so there's several areas, you know, in the shop, and uh, you guys touched on a few of them. Uh, and, I, and I'll just keep going here, so you can kind of stop me if you want yeah, to. Yeah, no, no, no. No, this is good. There's a lot to say on this, but uh, delays are, are one of the first ones that come to mind. I mean, people know if I can't get my parts on time, technicians who are standing around, they don't have all the resources that they need. Uh, and that's a tough one to try to cut back on. So hopefully the shop's well balanced. If you got to make a tough choice and have a have some guys share some equipment, but I keep that pretty high on the list. I want because they're, they're kind of like the front line. That's what's you know making the billable hours. That's feeding the main feeder for the income of the business. So I want my technicians to have resources. Cecil mentioned lighting. The shop's well lit. There's tables. Uh, uh, my parts guy two days in advance, not one day, but two days in advance has parts on site. So that in case it doesn't come in one day, those sold work jobs that we have, those parts are already there. Uh, the service advisor will usually keep one or two extra cars around just in case we have a mishap with a car or a part or something doesn't go right. There's always something else to work on. Do not want people standing around, uh, you know, having delays, you know, there's just no reason you should have a guy, you know, especially a flat rate guy, or just a guy who's lit, lit, taking his time to be there, or a girl, and, and yeah. not working on a car. So, um, you know, um, just to go back, uh, one of the very first things that you said about the lean method is you, utilizing the resources that you do have. Um, and I think people aren't taking into account one of the biggest, most important resources, which is time, which you're hitting on right now. The thing is, if you spend money, you can always make more money. That's not an issue. However, you cannot get back time. It, it does not renew, right? Um, so I just want that, I, I just want to hit that point, um, that time, time you can't renew. So being more efficient with your time uh, is incredibly valuable. And my, my labor, and my labor is a perishable inventory. See, I don't, in, in many shops, and I would probably say most from my experience, um, they're not looking at, I've got three guys, I have to sell 24 hours today. I have, to, I have to market to enough people. I have to have a high enough average of pair order. We have to find the work. We have to estimate the work. We have to sell the work. And my technician needs to be able to finish the work. And anything that gets in the way of that is, is, is inefficiency. And I need to be looking at those things and saying, I want that to go away. Um, I, I don't want to have inefficiencies in my processes that make it so that my technicians can't bill out eight to 10 hours a day. Uh, and that, that's simple things like, you know, get, getting my parts there in a timely manner. You know, I'm probably the only guy ever in the world that went to my parts supplier and said, charge me 2% more. Just get me the part in 25 minutes and get me a good part. That's not going to break down. I don't, I almost don't care what it costs. I just want that part here as quickly as possible so that my guy can continue working. Because you know that the return is going to be a lot greater than whatever discount you're going to get on that. Absolutely. I mean, you yeah. know, the, 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 and, and if I'm using a matrix, who cares? And 2%, any customer that's going to say yes at $1,000 will say yes at, at 1020 They're not going to say no for $20 when they're going to say yes at 1000 And anybody that argues at 1000 is still going to argue at 800 So it, it, it really 
almost doesn't matter. And if you're bringing the right customers in and your marketing is efficient and it's bringing the right customers in, then you're going to, you know, you're going to sell more stuff and, and people are going to be happy. Uh, I want to go to one other thing and that is the workflow. Looking at my workflow, I need a chart, um, uh, draw it on a whiteboard, uh, write it up on the thing, draw it in, co- in crayon, whatever it is. How does that car go through your shop and where are the inefficiencies? That's where my time and energy should be spent. It's going to give me a 10 times return over, you know, going out there and trying to fix the car myself. Uh, you know, uh, uh, hey, we have too much today. We can't get it done. The techs aren't efficient. I'll go work on cars. No, 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 no. Spend your time solving the problems. Yeah. And, and, and when the problems are solved, now my techs are efficient, and I don't have to go work on cars. And if too many, too many shop owners are, are so busy working in their business that they never have the opportunity to work on their business. And, you know, I, I don't know what all the reasons are. One of them is I don't know what to do. That's, to me, that's a lame thing. There's lots of places to understand, to, to get better knowledge about how that works. Yeah. Um, free and otherwise. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take just a, a quick second here. Uh, Shameless promotion. Um, we we had an amazing first meeting for the Advisor Mastery Program. Um, those of you who are watching who were in the program this weekend, uh, it, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun, uh, and we enjoyed having you guys. Um, I do want to let everybody else know that enrollment is currently closed for the next round, um, but it will open in spring for the next groups that we're going to be rolling out, and we're planning on rolling out two to three more groups. Um, and those groups contain about... 20 advisors um, per group. That way we can keep it focused, we can keep it small, uh, and we can give the advisors the best education that, that we can. Um, so there's, there's that. Now we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the, to the conversation. Um, again, with this, with this time management, because I think it's such a crucial aspect of the lean method, um, urgent versus non-urgent tasks with time management. Um, and, and, and really, the question I want to ask you guys now is, in order to establish a better efficiency or a better process, how are you guys building your experiments or your tests in order to um, improve on existing processes or systems? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to this and try to not take too long so Ryan can speak to it. Um, your business is a is an experiment, the whole business from start to finish. Um, so you you take one one section of it. And you say, okay, uh, and I've talked about maybe it's estimating. And, and maybe uh, estimating is a two-part thing because it is. It's the tech estimating, getting the information to the service advisor, and then the service advisor estimating pricing, et cetera, and getting that information to the customer and then getting stuff back to the tech as quickly as possible. And, and, and you, you redesign. You, you, you rethink almost on a regular basis. What if, what if we did this? Uh, you know, it's a scientific method. You, you, you come up with a hypothesis, uh, you put it in place, and you see what the result is. So, you know, what if we uh, had the technicians uh, give us the, the, the problem, uh, the solution, uh, the time, and the parts needed uh, to do the repair uh, in this way, and uh, would that speed up the, the, the process? And the answer is yeah. And you put it in place, and you watch what happens. And you do everything for, I don't know, at least probably 30 days. Uh, because you're also creating new habits. Uh, and so you, you don't want to work on everything in your business at once, but you take one or two things and you talk to your employees and you say, you guys are on the ground. You're the ones doing this. Where are the inefficiencies? And then how do you think we could make this better? And you get them involved. And, and now they're involved in making their own lives better as well as the life of the, the shop and the business. Ryan, what your, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you you nailed it. I think I'd call it using the scientific method. I mean, maybe trying to change one variable at a time. You know, if you go in there and you, you know, you, you, hey, people, change takes time, uh, and, and you want to give a little bit of uh, adaptation ability. But, yeah, if you go in and you do a whole bunch of stuff at once, that can be a little more difficult. I think a big efficiency discussion for most shops out there is technician productivity. I mean, of all the KPIs, the billable hour is still, you know, one of the core building blocks of the entire 
you know, business model and that, you know, that profit per hour that we're making. So I think, I don't know, some examples I, uh, of experiments and things that, you know, that have been done. You mentioned it's easy, like kind of um, writing things twice, you know, way back in the day, you know, the technician would kind of write out, this is what the car needs and why. And then our service advisor would retype that into the computer. And that gave the service advisor less time to be selling. And so, you know, there were times then where the technician could have been standing around because the service advisor hadn't had quite enough time to sell the next job to get it ready. I think any any shop out there, A, if you're not measuring technician productivity, you need to do that. And, you know, 100% is a, is a nice minimum goal. We'd love to, love to see more than that. That's eight hours a day uh, and an eight-hour workday for technician. But if you're not getting that, and most shops aren't, you know, you're in the 60 to 70%, there is your scientific method. Start changing one thing at a time. First off, you may need to follow them around and take notes. Like, why are you not able to get this? And most of the time, it's not technician skill or ability. It's it's a lot of different things. We found uh, technicians were just writing down labor times when the book had a higher time. It's like, well, I mean, the flat rate system's out there. I didn't invent it. We're, you know, that's, that's part of how, you know, being efficient at the billable hour works is we need to make sure we're getting enough time. Uh, some guys were emotionally discounting. They're like, well, I just, you know, I know this will only take me this time, this much time. They didn't want to, they didn't feel comfortable asking for the proper amount of time. But on the flip side of that, when they got a really difficult diagnostic and only one hour was called for it, the same guys are out there, you know, putting two or three hours into it. So if we're working for free, if we don't have our, you know, our parts or other resources to do our job, if there's any time that we're standing around or we're not getting as many hours as we think, you know, we can ethically ask for, uh, those are all things that we can change one thing at a time using that method. And what I hope to see, and I have seen in shops, is just that, you know, 60% efficiency and then, you know, next quarter it's 70% and then next year it's 80% and we just kind of keep keep working our way up. And for those of you that have seen a shop make that transition, it's really cool to see all the people involved take real ownership and see the progress and see it um in their paychecks and and see it in the like chaos factor of the shop and uh and see that you know customers are still very happy maybe they can get in their shop in your shop quicker when we thought yeah how cool is it that we're three weeks booked out that's not cool at all (laughs) that's a real problem yeah um so what and maybe this is too simple of a question um how do you identify the the data that you should be tracking? Well, you know, um, we have vast amounts of uh, uh, forms, uh, documents, uh, uh, spreadsheets, and same sh- shameless promotion. We have all that on the on the, our learning management system on our website, and 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 we know so. You know, um, come to a, a class that we teach. Uh, go to a class that someone else teaches uh, about the numbers, about the what you need to take a look at, because um, you can really make a, a, an amazing difference. Luke uh, Walker, one of our uh, uh, past clients and, and and friend, says, "You guys helped me get from 55% to 100%. Talk about a, a difference in the in the in the bottom line. So you know, you go from doing 550,000 with your staff to doing a million. That's um, that's substantial, and that's a substantial reward. And 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 uh, I know Luke. I mean, he's donated a bunch of money to charity, and and uh, he pays his people exceptionally well. Uh, uh, he shares the wealth, and I know that most shop owners would would share the wealth. Um, you really want to, you know, take a step back from your business and say, you know, there's there's two things that are most important probably in your business. Well, three. Um, I got to sell the work. I got to sell a certain amount of work so that my technicians can do the work. I got to do the work in a timely fashion. We call that productivity, meaning that during the day, if my tech's there all day and I pay them for eight hours, I want eight hours that I can then bill to clients that they're going to pay for. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then there's a third aspect to that, and that is margin. Do I sell the work uh, for enough? Uh, enough that there's enough profit left over in the job for me because I can have my people work very efficiently. Um, we can sell a bunch of work, but if we don't sell it for a high enough price, then there's no money left over anyway. It, it, it almost doesn't matter. Uh, so those are, the, the to me, the three most important things, understanding the business financially, being able to look at my margins, my sales, 
my average of pair order, my productivity. Those are the top numbers for me. And then are we selling eight hours for each guy every day? And if we're not, why not? I mean, that's, that's, I'm a why not guy. I'm, I'm constantly looking at why not. I mean, uh, are we signing up enough clients uh, here at the Institute? Well, okay, no, not as many as I want. Okay, why not? What, what do we have to do? Uh, you know, yes, our marketing's good. Yes, people are watching us online. But is there something else that we could do? Let's experiment. Let's throw something in the mix. Um, are we efficient in closing sales? Well, maybe it's not as efficient as I want it to be. Okay, why not? Well, maybe my service advisor needs some training. Uh, needs to be able to handle objections. Needs to be able to uh, uh, pique the interest of the customer better. Uh, needs to know how to close. Uh, you know, whatever that is, I need, to, I need to identify these things. This is my job as the manager of the business is to identify these inefficiencies and then attack them. And, and, I, and I go, I, I'm, I'm with Ryan. You know, one of the things that happens is people come to our classes, they come and they walk away with a million things that they're going to go do and then nothing happens. You pick one, maybe two, and you fix it. And, and start with easy stuff uh, so that you get some wins behind you and some wins for your employees and then they're going to get in involved and want to go even further. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned kind of like, you know, what data should we be tracking? And I think, you know, a lot of the buzzwords out there, people know them already, average repair order, uh, data like that. I think another important question to ask is why, why are we tracking that? And without going into all of the KPIs out there, because there's a lot of them and, uh, <laughs> I think in the, in the context of a, of a lean business, really average repair order is an interesting one because I'll never forget, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, it might've been you, Cecil, somebody's like, you know, tell me why average repair order is important. And I'm like, I had to think about it. I was like, I don't know, because we want more business. And I totally missed it. I mean, there's the obvious, we don't want customers leaving with work that should have been done, not done on the car. But it matters from a lean perspective because if you're only doing one hour uh, you know, per RO, and so your average repair order is, say, $200, there's a lot of what we call no pay time, and that's for a technician that's racking the car, test driving the car, estimating the car. For the service advisor, it's making the appointment, doing the estimate, the follow-up, the dispatch, the parts, whatever other 10 things that the advisor does. We don't bill for those. We only bill for the work on the car. So really, average repair order is a great example of a lean uh, KPI because it really, really points out where our efficiency, inefficiencies are. And there's shops out there that have all the car count in the world and they just, the money's not there. And they're like, well, okay, so yeah, why is average repair order important versus the car, you know, the companies out there that might have, you know, say three hours per RO, uh, they're getting, you know, for that same test drive and that same call and all that time invested, they're getting much more billable hours. So that's one of those like efficiency things where you have these two shops and one's doing really well and one's not. And the one has the average repair order, and you're like, ah, and then it clicks in your head, and like, I get it. You know? um, another really important, um, I think, KPI for, for lean is sales opportunity. And I'm always surprised at a, at a class or, or an event that I'm at when I ask for a show of hands and how many shops track opportunity. It's, it's staggering. It's amazing how little it is. Right. And, and when you're looking at average repair order and how important that is, if you don't measure the work that your your shop's finding, that, that that's shows you how effective your inspection process is. Are we finding all the work on the car? And then your sell rate. You can't know your sell rate if you don't know the opportunity. So this whole like building blocks of KPIs for a lean shop. Um, I mean, how many cars are in our area? How many cars came to our shop? Of the cars that came to our shop, how much work did those cars need? How much did we sell? All of this uh, is very important in kind of a, piecing together a business model, but B, we can't know our efficiency if we don't know that data. We don't know that data if we don't measure it, and we need a good shop management system and numerous other processes in place to make sure that that happens. There's a really important aspect to all of this, and and, and average repair order is, is just an example. You know, if it, uh, there's there's five things that create average repair order in, in, a, in a shop. Marketing is number one. Am I bringing the right clients in? If I'm bringing the wrong clients in, who are not buyers. If I discount marketing, in my opinion, brings the wrong people in. They're not buyers. They're not loyal. Uh, uh, by and large, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <coughs> we, we, we all got a little sick here at the office. We had a... 
a an little. epidemic. Um, back to the, back to that. So, if if I have a low average repair order and, and and I'm running discount marketing, and I'm bringing people in that are not necessarily loyal, um, that's causing inefficiencies further down the road. More test drives, more paperwork, and we see shops with you know uh, uh, 30, 40 cars a day with a, a 1.2, 1.3 hour average repair order. Uh, couple hundred dollars and, and they're beating themselves to death and there's so many um I, now i need to hire another service advisor uh to get that to get those cars through the shop which costs me money uh instead you know i look at my marketing and i say how do i attract a better customer and then i put some things in place there uh number two i need some fresh uh, uh, uh fresh customers um if I do a good job of inspecting the car and selling the work, the next time the customer comes in, they don't need anything. So I need to do marketing and bring in some new market share on a regular basis to keep my average repair order up, and I want it to be up. Number three, inspections. Probably the most important thing uh, uh, process for the business uh, period and for the customer. Um, not only do I want to find all the work that's necessary on that car, for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's my job. Number two, I don't want a customer leaving with work that we haven't talked about and, and having that car break down next week because then I bear some of that responsibility and, and it ends up costing me more money. But, yeah. you know, I want to know, is my guy doing that good inspection on that car? And, and I want to know what that opportunity is. And, and number, number four, um, uh, transfer of data, the, the estimating process, uh, uh, does everything that the technician finds actually make it through the, through the wash to the customer? Or do I have uh, uh, inefficiencies in that process where jobs are getting dropped off the ticket? For whatever reason, poor communication, or even for a service advisor saying, well, I don't really want to try to sell that. The customer probably won't buy it. Uh, and then last, sales, uh, um, can you sell? Can you build value? Can you help the customer understand why that's a good thing to do to buy my product from me today now, even though it might be a little more expensive than some other shop down the street. Um, you know, average repair order, uh, uh, you can beat yourself to death with uh, too many cars and too low of an average repair order. And by the way, your margins are likely to be less also, and your productivity is likely to be less. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'll bet you it is almost always the case. Um, and, and so, you know, you want to know what processes to look at. Well, geez, my inspection process. Let's get that down. Let's get it faster. Uh, let's, let's make sure everything's uh, uh, found that needs to be found, legitimately so. I don't ever want to sell something the car doesn't need, but darn it, if it needs it, we, we should be talking about it. Yeah. Uh, or if it's going to need it in the near future, we should be talking about it. Um, You've got to look at, the, at that whole setup. And, and that starts with determining what kind of shop you want to be and, and, and what results you want. At least in my world, that's where yeah. it starts. Yeah. Um, I want to pose, uh, I just want to say something, and uh, Cecil Ryan, you guys would probably back me up on this. Uh, the money, the profit is in the data. If you guys are able to track a lot of this stuff uh, with minor tweaking, you can make an incredible profit uh, and change in your business. Um, I just wanted to really hit that for everybody who's watching. Um, and then, so we'll do one final question and then we'll go into final thoughts and, and finish out the episode today. Um, my final question is how do you grow? Uh, because Ryan, you, you have a new shop and uh, you have grown. Um, and I know that you've been using the lean method for a while. Um, how does growth or excuse me, how does the lean method uh, kind of come into growth? Yeah. I think there's a lot of parallels to the franchise method. Um, I don't, I think maybe earlier on you were talking about food service and there's a great movie a few years ago, the one about the McDonald's founder. I can't think, I think it was called the founder maybe. Yeah. And that was such a neat movie. If you haven't seen it, whether you, you like it. McDonald's or not. Yeah. He, um, it was good. He's this concept and they I think they paint out or they tape out on the ground, like, you know, that necessary movement and just like how saving three steps but they really, they looked at it from an efficiency standpoint. And whether you desire to own multiple shops or not, there's still a really good case for building a really efficient shop because it just gives you options. I don't know anybody who wouldn't want to have that. So 
um, you know, spending time, you know, dialing in those processes takes time. I mean, if this is your, you know, your career and you're calling, what else are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't want to have that lower chaos factor? And, you know, when you have more time, it's just the things you can do with your business that you never thought were possible before because you were just stuck under the hood or stuck dealing with customers. And, you know, there's little things you can spend more time researching and, and, and really keep, you keep building. It's, it's, if you're a car guy or, or a girl, I mean, you, you have a car, you kind of keep dialing it in, you, you do a little something different to it. And eventually you have something that you really enjoy driving or you really appreciate. So it's a way to kind of keep working on it. Um, Part of the franchise model or the lean model is consistency. We're trying to make something that is consistent. It gives us the same results every time. That's, that's why McDonald's burgers are exactly the same size. They're, exa- they're all portioned out. Right. Yeah. Or, or Starbucks. You can go anywhere in the U.S. and you can get the same cup of coffee. Um, and I'm not saying to make your business generic, but I think getting the same, it's just something that you can count on, something your customers can count on. And, and then if you have the time, because you, you will if you set up a proper lean then you can, you know, then you'll have time to work on building the next business or spend time teaching or, or just make, you know, if you're a one shop and that's where all you want to be, just make it really, really, really great. You know, there are some really cool single shops out there that are just awesome, man. I mean, they just, the garage mahals, whatever you want to call them. I mean, these shops just really have like everything checked off the list. They're gorgeous. They're well-staffed. I mean, wherever your goal is, uh, you know, I, I think that there's always a case for making it as efficient as possible. Uh, you're going to have that lower chaos factor. You'll have more time and more, you know, money to spend on the business and, and make it what you want it to be. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, we're going to have to go into final thoughts now, just dragging out time. Um, Dad, final thoughts. I think um, make a decision that you want more from your business. You want the life that you deserve. You want the money that you should make. I think a lot of shop owners don't feel that they're in control of all of that. And in fact, they really can be. Um, (laughs) So sorry about that, but there's no help in it. You can control those things. You can control the kind of customers that come in your shop. You do the right marketing. Uh, You can control the productivity. If you if you uh, take a look at the the systems and processes and the workflow and 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 adjust it. And, and how do I know that? We've helped hundreds, uh, maybe even thousands of shops uh, go from 55% to 100%. And, and when you have that money and that time, it's a completely different life. Uh, everyone that works hard, and I think people in this industry work hard, deserve that life. But make a decision that you want to control your life, and then. Um, you know, I don't care how you get the information. Uh, we've got podcasts. We've got stuff online. We, we do classes. I don't care if it's us. Just get some help and because the whole industry needs to raise. And as the industry raises, then <laughs> we're going to be able to track good people into it and, uh, and continue to make a great living. And, and as Ryan said, you're going to do it no matter what. This is your life. You've chosen it. And you might as well do it the best that you can do it. Yeah. No need to struggle. I like that. Um, Ryan? I think just that mentality, you know, for a lot of us, because I know a majority of us started out as technicians, and we have this idea of, I want to say, buy low, sell high. But when we're talking about lean and trying to make our business efficient, looking at delays, you know, why are our technicians not at 100% efficiency? You know, are there workflow challenges? What's our promise time look like? Uh, duplication, uh, you know, paper versus paperless. Are we trying to do both? Are we micromanaging? I mean, if someone's already assigned a task and we're right over their shoulder, and that's an issue. Any unnecessary movement, like the McDonald's, you know, layout. You know, do we? How is our shop laid out? Is equipment accessible by everyone? If we're lucky, we got multiple racks. That's a huge efficiency booster where you can let a car sit there while we, you know, and I'm always amazed. I go into shops that have space and they don't have a rack sitting there. And I'm like, raise your price a dollar an hour and and get another rack there. It's crazy. Uh, Communication. Do we have that all documented? Do we say the same thing when customers answer? Uh, We did canned complaints in our shop so that we stopped missing information when someone would call and we had to call them back. And really, anytime you get burned, um, if you have regular meetings at your shop, that's the number one process improver. 
Let's talk about last week. How did we get burned? Okay, we didn't, this customer didn't get their battery checked. Okay, now we're going to change our inspection to change the way we check batteries. Or, you know, so we have a inspection version 1.2 and it's 1.3 and we're constantly improving those processes. Opportunity, looking at what you've already got in your shop. Are we utilizing staff? Are they doing as much as they could? Are they doing the right tasks? Yeah. Uh, customers that are already there, are we finding all the work on those cars? Are we using those customers for marketing? Are we, you know, do we have a referral program in place? Before you spend all bunch more time and money looking elsewhere, look at what's right in front of you. Are you maximizing the car count and the customer base that's already in your shop? Um, and then, you know, reducing errors. Uh, a lot of shops don't track their comebacks. They don't talk about them. It just kind of gets swept under the rug every week. We got to talk about those and talk about how we can continually improve. So there is a method that, you know, in our shop, it's once a week or, I mean, once a month would even be, you know, sufficient for a lot of Something, shops. Yeah. Uh, look at what we're doing and, and stop and take a minute, put it on paper, adjust it, you know, and, and, and track it. So. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode. We're, we're running over a little bit. Um, I just want to thank you, uh, Ryan and, and uh, Dad, for being on the show. Uh, spending your time. Uh, thank you, everybody who is watching uh, and engaging. Uh, it's really nice to have a conversation with the industry and have a place to, to talk about and discuss stuff like this. Um, the next episode of The Leading Edge is going to be on November 7th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and the topic is actually brought by Andy. I'm going to mispronounce your name. Zub? Zub, yeah. Um, and it's going to be talking about um, creating a competitive environment for your team, something that's a healthy competitive environment. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of, of performance boost from just the gamification we've done with our Advisor Mastery. So it's, it's a concept that we actually are really getting behind right now is how can we create healthy competition within our own business to improve overall business performance. Um, anyways, thank you guys so much for being on the show. We're going to end it here. Um, have a great week. Join us next time as we get into the application of a healthy competitive culture. As always, The Leading Edge is every first and third Wednesday of every month. Subscribe at institutesleadingedge.pondbeat.com so you don't miss out. Or find us on iTunes and Spotify at The Leading Edge. Join the Institute group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.